Six rounds remain before the NRL Telstra Premiership final series starts, but the ongoing injury tolls, racist remarks and dangerous conduct overshadowed the on-field action in round 14. Kevin Proctor should have celebrated his 250th NRL match. Instead, he's booked in with the judiciary. But what price will he pay for an alleged buy? The NRL community rallies around Brent Naden after he was subjected to racial abuse. But what punishment should be handed down to the accused? The panel have their say. Plus, Parramatta's Reid Marnie reassures us the Eels' big dance dream is still alive. And does Sonny Bill Williams make an immediate return to help the ailing roosters? Thanks for watching Inside the NRL. I'm Katie Brown and I'm back with my main man, Jamie Soward and City Morning Herald's Michael Chamis. Thanks for being back on deck, gents. Thanks, Katie. Like, who, really is the, who is the mainest man? <laughs> Both of you are equal. Oh, OK. Mm -hmm. Is that a word, mainest? We're not going there? OK. May, I'm, I'm not sure. You're very off today. <laughs> I'll keep leading. <laughs> now, all things weren't that rosy from the weekend, but we will start with what you enjoyed most out of the round. Jamie, I'll start with you. So many close results, but I don't think you can go past the hammer and that try up there in North Queensland. And the way he was able to just put himself in the right position and, and run around uh, the winger there but and get past Latrell Mitchell, I don't think you can see one of the best tries that I've seen from an individual. <laughs> we did he, just, he, just, he just stole my line. <laughs> he just stole my line. He's trying to throw me off. Yes, he did, and I'm laughing because that is very true, and I will stick up for you. Well, I'll he tell you what I enjoyed. <laughs> I enjoyed the Dragons winning and putting in for Paul McGregor one last time. Good to see. Great gestures after the game, which we'll have a look at a bit later, but it was nice to see the Dragons dig in for Mary one last time. Absolutely, and the laughs probably stopped there because there was a lot of controversy over the round of 14, and Kevin Proctor has a big night at the NRL Judiciary on Tuesday night um, after his allegations of allegedly biting Sean Johnson. Here's how it all played out. They were both reacting in the moment. You know, I don't know. We all saw a bite. He clearly thinks that he didn't bite him on purpose. Sean Johnson feels something on his arm. You know, we were both heated in the middle of the game. Um, I was a bit high on him. Whatever happened, happened. And, you know, we're still mates. Just a good game. Um, congrats on 250. Um, I love you. He loves me. Still good friends. So, um, look, like I said, man, there's nothing, nothing much to say about it. It is what it is. Uh, what happens on the field stays on the field. And I've got nothing but respect for Kevin. Um, I love him as a player and love him as a person. So, no. Nah, Nothing more to say about it. I don't know. I just ask questions at the end of the game. There was no on-field complaint by the player. I'm not, I'm not going to accuse you know, Kevin for biting. Um, obviously, Sean felt something. You see Kevin Proctor's reaction. He was horrified that he even got accused of it. You see his reaction there. He, he's shattered. So I hope for him he doesn't get suspended for it because I don't think he bit him intentionally. I just don't think he bit him. Both players know each other really well and they both exchange words to each other and one's apologised and, and the other, you know, Kevin wasn't one to apologise. So I, I don't want to... I can't get into it. Yeah, well, our game is never short of some drama, controversy once again, and this is the first time that we have seen a player sent off for biting. Now, the Titans did have to play out the rest of the game with 12 players. The last time we saw an instance that was as bad, or if not worse, was James Graham in the 2012 Grand Final when he bit Billy Slater's ear. He missed 12 matches for that. He did not get sent off. Jamie, you've even been mm. um, involved in a, in a situation accused of biting. Yeah, 2009, Matt Ballon, I didn't even know it had happened at the time. I'd actually gone to Fiji for a week. We had the week off, so I uh, got the charge come through that I'd uh, allegedly bit Matt Ballon 
uh, in this situation here. I think it's very similar uh, to Kevy Proctor's one. So I don't think Kevin Proctor bites him. I don't think it's in his game to be able to do that. He's got his arm around the mouth there uh, in, in that tackle. Very similar to Matt Ballon. You can see him come away there. Um, and we've since buried the hatchet, but I, I don't think there was any intent or malice from Kevin Proctor. Did you take a little nibble, Jay? Like, like when in, I'm not having a crack at you, but I'm saying when someone's got their hand in their mouth, yeah. is it a natural reaction to be like, get out sort of thing? Well, you put it this way. If, you, if I was to put my arm across your mouth and two guys are tackling you and your mouth is open, it's, it's almost impossible not, not to, to try and clench down and get out of it. And, and that's what I thought we saw from Kevy Proctor. You can see there his arms, his neck's been twisted away, so his breathing's been cut off. You can see his head been twisted around. And, and Sean Johnson's obviously felt something and the mouth is open. But I don't think in any way he should be suspended. Maybe a fine because you, it's gone, he's been sent off and it's gone to the judiciary. But... I wouldn't be suspending Kevin Proctor. Well, that's the next question is, if he is found guilty, in your opinion, what is his punishment, that's, Michael? That's not guilty, though. Well, I think it's going to be hard to prove that he's actually guilty, to be honest with you. I, to me, there's enough doubt there to suggest, like, did he do it, did he not do it? I have no doubt there's bike marks on Sean Johnson, but is that because of the force that he put his arm inside his mouth? I don't know if that's... Did he, you know, was he just trying to get out of the tackle? It's going to be an interesting one to see at the judiciary it's on Tuesday night. If you look at that tackle again, and hopefully we get to see it again with Kevin Proctor, it's not like he is open his mouth. He hasn't even got his eyes open there. His mouth's open. Sean Johnson's forcing his neck back. If anything, you know, Sean's probably forcing the issue. If your mouth's open, you don't wear a double-sided mouth guard to cover the bottom part of the teeth. I... I I'd be very surprised. And, and it's not in Kevin. I think he's been suspended once his whole career. Yeah, he has. It's is it, not is in it his difficult game. to rewatch that slow mo too? Is it, is it a circumstance where you have to watch it back in real time and take it for what it is? <sighs> I'd be interested to see how the judiciary takes Sean Johnson's comments into it as well because he walked it back very quickly. Well, they can't so, take it into consideration. I'm just saying. But he may want. Well, I'm not sure if he is or isn't. There's talk around that he may provide a statement to the Titans to help Kevin Proctor's case to argue that perhaps he didn't feel as much or he didn't feel a definite bite down from Kevin Proctor. Who knows if Sean Johnson wants to do it. My understanding is he wants to just distance himself completely. They're obviously mates. They've played test football together. So I think Sean realised once it was all over, he's like, well, yeah, but you can't I need to distance, back away from this. Uh, look, with all due respect to Sean Johnson, you can't distance yourself after you've claimed someone bit you. Well, he didn't make an official Hold complaint on, on the okay, field. OK, but then he was sent off for that. So Henry Perinara's got that decision sent off, right? But then after the game, say you don't want to talk about it, you're going to have to talk about it because some, that, that game was in the balance right up until that moment. You know, that, that, that was a tough game. Titans were playing great. They lose a player, it goes south of the Titans. That's a huge call. Yeah, but we've seen it before. Look, with Josh Maguire. With but no, we no, no, we haven't seen it before. Well, eye, eye gouging. Hold on. Remember? Ha- yeah, Josh that's, Maguire. Listen, that's for eye gouging. We've never seen anyone sent off for biting. I think eye gouging is on the same we've, level We've as never biting. seen anyone sent off for biting, including in a grand final... Right, the well, biggest day of the year. Very hard to see what was happening in there. Uh, I'm just saying, in the biggest year, I didn't get anything. Th- I didn't even know that it, that had happened when it happened to me in 2009. Billy Slater comes away and says he's been bitten. He got 12 games. If you're not going to see it on the biggest day of the year, why are you seeing it at Cogra in round uh, 14? I think James Graham denied this as well after it happened that he'd even done it. So, but answer me that. We haven't seen this before. Why are we? If we're not going to send someone off in a grand final, why did we get? Oh, to Sarah, the that's point? a long, long time ago. Half the people that were in that a game. A bite's a bite, mate. No, I'm talking about the officials. We can't talk about consistency for something that happened what six. I'm just six, saying six years though. Ago. It's, it's a, we haven't seen this before. This is a this is a send off yeah. for a bite, the alleged bite. That I, I don't, don't know if it was clear cut either. No. 
Mm. I don't think you could have... be able to send someone to the bin. No, I think they, they got that send-off wrong. OK, well, it brings us to, I guess, another scenario. And if the judiciary do decide that he is guilty of biting, um, depending on what the time frame is that he sits out, he may not play again for the Titans this year. He's off contract should the club re-sign him. Yes. No. He's, been, he's been with them through the bad times. I know they've got two fantastic back rowers. Well, Fasul Malawi looks like he might be able to play up front. They've got Dave Fafita. Kevin Proctor, you're going to need some experience around those guys. If anything has come out of the Broncos this year, is it's fantastic to have all the young talent in the world, but you're going to need some guys that have been in the trenches, that have been successful, played test footy. He, may, he won't get the money that he went up there on, but he may be able to come to a deal with Justin Holbrook and, and come to a, a medium in that middle of that price and get that contract done. Yeah, I, I don't know if they need to keep Kevin Proctor, to be honest with you. I just think keep themselves the freedom, the money and the cap and the space to be able to get someone that's going to make a real difference. I know, you, I, know I take your point on leadership. They've got Mal Meninga involved with the club. They hopefully have some other guys there, but I, I just think they can actually use that money probably a bit better elsewhere. Where? Well, at, at hooker, to be honest with you. And who? Well, whoever they can get. They need, they need a good hooker. Yeah. Well, if, if, if Brandon Smith wants to walk out on the Melbourne Storm because okay. Harry Grant goes back to Melbourne, then Brandon Smith at the Gold Coast Titans, if they can afford him, and there may be the difference of not signing Kevin Proctor, they need a hooker more than they need Kevin Proctor because they've got the, the forwards that they've signed. Now you're speaking in hypotheticals. If Kevin Proctor comes onto the market... 15 clubs will be making inquiries. It's, 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 not, it's not a hypothetical because they've, they're not re-signing Nathan Peets. They've got no hooker next year, so they need a They've hooker. let go. Peets is gone. They've got, uh, they'll get rid of Ryan, Ryan James's contract. He Ryan. goes to Canberra. So mm. there's going to be some money there that they haven't spent to be able to get... They've spent $1.7 on David yeah. Fafita. $1.7 million. That is a number <laughs> anyway. I have never heard. We'll continue with the Titans another day. Uh, but interesting points there, both of you, gents. Uh... Let's turn our focus to the Penrith and Warriors match. And it was disappointing scenes, actually, to see racial abuse on Panthers winger Brent Naden. Uh, now, our acting chief executive, Andrew Abdo, did weigh in and here's his response. Things like this don't happen uh, that often, but they should never happen. And when they do happen, we have to act decisively. We, act to, we, we have to act in a unified and strong way, and that's what we intend to do. We will conclude the investigation and we'll take whatever action we deem necessary to make sure that those fans who are proven to have acted in this way uh, are not know that they are not able to attend our games going forward. I think anyone would be shaken um, by what occurred. Um, I think he appreciated the support uh, that he's been re receiving. Um, I think it's been terrific. He obviously has the support of his team, but more importantly, he has the support of the entire rugby league community. I think he feels that. And for everybody just tuning in, uh, just to make it clear, there was a group of spectators who were removed from that match for racial abuse on Brent Naden. Now, Nathan Cleary and James Tarmow both did speak today and they said that they are waiting for repercussions to happen. There must be repercussions for their actions, whether or not it is life bans. But Cleary spoke and said banter is OK, but once there's personal attacks on family, race, religion, this should be totally off limits. My question to both of you is, do they deserve a life ban or do they deserve a second chance? Life ban. Straight away. We need strong leadership, and Andrew Abdo is showing that. And if proven guilty, uh, they should be they should have a life ban. And, and people will say, well, everyone deserves a second chance. Rugby league's the game of second chances for players, and everyone makes mistakes. But if you pay your money, if you're old enough to pay your money and go to a game and you know be fueled by alcohol and go to the low, disgraceful acts of you know not only being personal but being you know having racism involved in that. 
there's no place for you in our game. And the players, I'm glad the players got behind it. Everyone on social media got behind it. Banned for life. Michael, what about for you? I think there needs to be some strong measures taken here. I think they need to face lengthy bans. I just don't know what we're doing, you know, what service we are to the, the people that are involved, the game, the future players who may be subject to this, and to people in the community. If the game hangs its hat on being the game that gives people second chances, rehabilitating and educating people, why not afford these kids, who are kids, who, who have absolutely acted like buffoons, but give them the opportunity to actually understand what they've done rehabilitate them and educate them, get them to speak to Brent and Aiden, and if none of them want to take that up, then fine, throw the book at them. But there might be one in that group of eight there who actually say, you know what, I've stuffed up here, I should never have said anything, or who may not have said anything, and goes and acts. If we're going to welcome Matt Lodge back into our game, Russell Packer, which the game has done a tremendously good job at allowing these players back into the game and they've proved the game right, then I think that we could, as a game, help these kids understand what they did was completely wrong because, yes, they are, ki they are kids. And what they did was stupid, but life ban achieves nothing at this no. point. Kids, kids aren't old enough to drink. You, you're going to make a decision and be old enough to go. So we didn't do anything. I'm not saying that this, this, is, this is bad, but I think the game can actually get was, something out of this I was for never people. disrespectful or racist to, uh, to go to a sporting event and, and go and do that. So there's something seriously wrong with the way these kids have been brought up to think that that's acceptable. Hold on, so why wouldn't the game try and actually help these guys? If there's remorse, did the did the events that happened afterward and the, and the, the videos here, social media, did that show remorse? No, th there's a few there. They weren't all in those videos. Right. Yeah. So so what we're just going to pick and choose what we stand for as a game. So oh, listen to me. Well, am I saying this is acceptable? No, I'm not saying it's acceptable. I'm just saying, as a game, there's an opportunity. In 2020, there. how could you think that you need to be educated to not be? Come on, Sal. To not yell out racist. Everyone's different. To not yell out racist. But in 2020, with yeah, everything but, that's going but on, look in at the Russell world, Packer. You think Russell Packer hasn't Hold got regrets? On. You're talking about different situations no, they, here. They, they are. You're talking about different situations. They're talking Russell about Packer, guys who've learned from Russell lessons. Packer went to jail. I'm talking right? who exactly learned from went his to lessons. Jail, right. All I'm talking about is people who make mistakes. Not everyone should be just said, okay, throw. Throw the book at them, see you later. I'm just saying, they might not. They might not. They might tell the NRL, piss off. We don't care about your integrity and investigation. We don't care about what's going on. If they do, throw the book at them. But speak to them, find out what's going on, and potentially try and help them to make them realise what they've done was horrible. How could you be so ignorant to racism in 2020? Is what I would be saying. You and to I those understand guys. that. You and I understand that. Everyone should understand. It's well, everyone should understand. It's that. worldwide I think we at the wish moment. everybody does. I think we wish. But it's everybody worldwide did. at the moment. But, but see the reality still is, doing they it. don't. I think the encouraging thing we can take out of this is that Brent Naden had the the confidence to speak about it, and he had the support from the game to get these people removed so he could continue on and play it. And I take my hat off to him for doing so. And it should not happen. We know that, and we we do not support that whatsoever. The NRL is still working with the New South Wales Police and the Stadium Authorities to make sure that they get um, all the details correct uh, and do. Um, fix the matter and come up with a resolution on that. So uh, we'll keep that there. Margie McDonald, our senior reporter, is across that story. Uh, so for all the details, go to nrl.com to follow those movements. Before we do move on to my interview with Reid Marnie, Michael, last week in the Sydney Morning Herald, you were speaking about Moses Embi potentially going to the Gold Coast Titans. Is there any movement on that? 
no movement just yet. Look, with Moses Embiid, it's, it's clear that he's on a big contract with the, with the uh, West Tigers for the next two years. He's on 800,000 there. He's the captain of the club. And I think Moses himself would, would admit that he hasn't performed to what he's expected of himself and what the club expects of him. Now, there's an opportunity there in the off-season. I think you'll find that Moses will look to explore options. The Tigers will look to explore options. I've spoken to people at the club and they're willing to pay around that 400000 mark if Moses Embi decides that he wants to head off. That conversation hasn't happened yet between the Tigers and Moses Embi, but he's not silly. He understands where the game's at. They've tried to move on Josh Reynolds. They've tried to move on Russell Packer, Chris McQueen. The, the, the Tigers players are on big money, are on notice, and Moses Embi is one of them. So I think you'll find with this one, if he can get a few games under his belt, get a few good games under his, under his belt, there may be some movement as we head towards the end of the year. Okay, and another um, man who's been in the spotlight is Josh Adokar. Uh, is he going to stay at the Melbourne Stormy 2021 or will he move elsewhere? Well, you'll remember, Katie, last year, Josh Adokar was trying to get out of his contract in Melbourne and they said, you can leave at the end of 2020 as long as we have a replacement. Now, he's been in a management dispute for some time with Chris Orr. That was settled last week. There's a settlement there now. He's free and he's joined Mario Tartak. He has a different management now. And the Melbourne Storm are thinking to themselves, you know what? In a COVID world, there's every chance next year that they may be in the bubble again. So Josh Adokar's reasons for wanting to leave are based around family. But Melbourne's going to sit down with Josh Adokar and say, listen, mate, at this point, you may not be able to see your family next year in Sydney anyway because we may be in a bubble. Do you want to see out your contract? So those conversations will be had with Adokar. At the moment, he will be free to talk to other people, but Has he it, may stay. He's come out and said he wants to play fullback. Has there been much interest in around that from what you're hearing from clubs? Well, I don't know. I, to be honest, I don't know if Josh Adokar has what it takes to be a fullback. I think there, there may be an appetite for fullback money whether he can play fullback and has the ball skills to do it. No doubt he's got the speed and, and the ability to finish a try. So you'd know more in terms of his fullback ability, but perhaps a club that's desperate for a fullback like a Brisbane Broncos or a West Tigers or a Canterbury Bulldogs, they may fork out money and bring him as a fullback, but I don't know if that's his position long term. Do you see him making that transition? Well, I mean, he got all the attributes. Yeah, and it's we've seen guys I think about Dalton Martinez Lesniak. Yeah, he wanted to be a fullback. It's not an easy transition, but if he could get those ball skills right, he could definitely make the switch. I have no doubt about that. He, he seems like one of those kids that, yeah, he puts his mind to it and he's able to do it. So those clubs that you mentioned, you could see Trent Barrett working with him skills based wise and being out the back of that back line, it, mm. it could be potentially a, a great move. Gosh, I'd love to watch him number one. Wouldn't that be nice? It'd be exciting. It's, it's the ball skills. That's the, that's, that'll okay. be the one that determines whether yeah. he can make the transition. Okay. And finally, just the last one was Tavita Pangai Jr. Last week, we did report that he, the NRL has stood him down indefinitely and the Brisbane Broncos were not sure if he will play another game this season in terms of an NRL contract. What's the situation there? Well, at this stage, is very unlikely he'll play again this year. I know the New Zealand Warriors were circling and they were trying to suss out whether Tavita would be willing to head to the Warriors on a loan deal for the rest of the year. That's probably unlikely to happen now because the NRL is going to come over the top and say, you're out for the rest of the year. Now, he's obviously got a, a Zoom call with the Broncos board that he needs to, to do. He's got legal advice and he'll sort out his future. But it doesn't look like Tavita Bankai Jr. will be playing football in 2020. Wow. That's a huge loss for the Brisbane Broncos as well and I guess the game. But thank you so much for that news update, Michael Chamis. It is now time to go to the interview with Reid Money. I caught up with the hooker a little earlier. Well, Reid, thanks for coming on Inside the NRL. A bit of a disappointing missed opportunity against the Dragons. Your coach, Brad Arthur, said uh, that you didn't deserve to win. Where did it all go wrong? Um, oh, we didn't start well. We, um, you know, credit to them. They, they hold on um, in the first half. and uh, we, we missed some opportunities attacking 
attacking wise and um, yeah we just um, didn't didn't take opportunities and um, yeah they, they they got on top and they took their opportunities which was a difference in the end. Uh, Brad also mentioned concentration errors so have you sort of gone back over some video and looked at those concentration errors in that game? Yeah we have it's um, something we need, we need to get better at it's it's not a, an effort thing it's not a um, you know, willingness to win thing. It's just a simple concentration, um, staying in the moment um, sort of errors. So, um, you know, we need to be really much better there. You know, I was guilty for one and um, dropping the ball, which is not good enough. And I still had a couple there too, which is just a catch and pass. So, um, as a team, we've got to be better. And what about for you? Do you feel like you got a little unlucky with that disallowed try? Um, oh, I guess you could say unlucky. I thought... Um, I was close enough, but um, I don't know. It's, I didn't really see. Um, he gave it a try, so I was sure that there was no evidence that there wasn't a try. But um, yeah, that sort of didn't really, um, you know, say how how bad we played on the weekend. So um, we, if I get that, we'd probably just win. But um, yeah, we did, it didn't go our way. Um, some some nights you do get those, and some you don't. So we just got to worry about next week and. And we've got to be better, um, you know, going on to Melbourne next week. Yeah, you talk about Melbourne and you still are sitting inside that top four. How do you bounce back? Uh, it's just about getting the little things right again, um, starting well, you know, the first half and the second half and, and taking opportunities. Obviously, uh, up against Melbourne this week, um, opportunities are going to be very limited. So, um, you know, everyone we got get, we've got to take them and, and um, you know, ice them. And what about, I know they've got Cameron Munster out this week. Cameron Smith is expected to be out, but if are you expecting him to play? Do you think he will play? Oh, yeah, probably he probably will play. Um, but then, I guess, you know, no one knows. So um, we just got to go with the team that they sort of had last week and, and have a look at that and, and see um, what we can do to, you know, be at our best. So, but I think we're not too worried about them. We're sort of worried about ourselves and and getting uh, our game right before we start um, worrying about the other team. But what about, I mean, I understand you would be more, uh, you'd be concentrating more on your own side, but if Cameron Smith does play, surely that changes your game plan going in? Um, oh, I probably won't change a whole lot. Um, probably just more of a, um, you know, he's obviously you know, the best player to ever play the game, so a bit of a, a target on him to, you know, limit his, his opportunities and what he does with the ball, so... But then, yet again, they have, you know, Sean Stewart's him. They have such a great team um, from 1 to 17. So, um, you know, if he plays, he plays. If he doesn't, um, you know, not too worried. We've just got to worry about ourselves. And worrying about yourselves, I guess, an attack um, is a big issue at the moment. Have you sort of addressed that? And has it changed since Mitch has come back? Or? Oh, no, it hasn't changed at all. I think we're just, um, you know, we're probably just waiting for the next play rather than playing that play and... Um, you know, everyone's guilty for it this year, so the last few weeks. So um, I think once we, one game, we'll get it right and we'll, we'll be okay. So, you know, we're working really hard at training and, and stuff like that to get it right. But um, we know we can score points and we know we have, you know, the depth and everything around the park to be able to score us points. So we're not too worried. It's just more of an opportunity thing and, and getting it right. And for you this week, it's a pretty big milestone. 50 NRL games. Congratulations. Did you ever think a boy from Nambour would, would reach this dream? Yeah, thanks. Um, oh, no, you wouldn't think of playing one first grade game rather than, uh, than 50. So um, it's probably come pretty quick to me, um, you know, um, rather than you know, a few years. So 
been pretty lucky and been able to play every game. So, you know, I'm doing everything right, um, you know, to stay in the team. So um, hopefully just, you know, hopefully assist another game and then and we get the win. Hopefully you get the win and make sure you give yourself a pat on the back and there's plenty more milestones we can celebrate with you. Uh, good luck with the boys on Thursday night and thanks for your time, Reid. Thanks, Katie. Thank you. Yeah, don't forget you can catch that match live on our broadcast partners, Channel 9, Fox Sports, KO, and, of course, the Telstra Live Pass. Jamie, it's time for your sweet or soured. What way are you tipping? I'm nervous. <laughs> <laughs> soured this week. I'm fired up. I'm telling you, on the weekend, Newcastle and Manly, it was an absolute cracker game, really close result. But this play right here in 2020, we can't rule on forward passes ever. This bat-back comes back in. Possibly goes forward. Now, Tuala scores. This is a crucial point in the game. Chemis, they send it upstairs. Ashkelon sends it up to check on whether the bat-back went forward or not. If we're going to be able to rule back on that, surely we can rule on forward passes. Well, it confused your missus, didn't it? Yeah, Maddie asked me. <laughs> I didn't think they could rule on forward passes. Now we can rule on bat-ons bat and backbacks. Well, I don't know. I don't know what the rule is there and the way the NRL had going forward. There's a few confusing things at the moment. I, a couple of weeks ago, we had the captain's challenge where you blew up about how they could actually go back and check something that the captains didn't ask to check for and Parramatta lost the captain's challenge over us. So... Maybe a few grey areas. Sal is fired up, Katie. I am fired up. He's been too generous. I feel in like he's still weeks. smiling though. Yeah, like because fired up, I'm still fired happy. up because that that's gonna if the camera angle is gonna eliminate forward passes, right? Mm. I always relate it back to a grand final. If that's the last play in the grand final and we're checking on whether it goes forward or not because a referee's not sure, we need to have a system in place. We need to be able to rule on those plays. You can't tell me that that camera angle is able to rule on that, whether that ball went forward or backwards, better than the one that Tom Trebojevic passed earlier in the year at Bankwest. Fair enough. It's, it's not a bad point you make. I am <laughs> going to try and add a sweet off the back of your salad. I know you two are going to head over to the touchscreen. But we did see some emotional scenes post-match after the Dragons got the win over the Eels between outgoing coach Paul McGregor and his team. Well, that South, I was, um, you know, I remember reading an article saying that something along the lines of Cam Kim's doesn't have it. And later that week, uh, Mary actually called me, which I think was tampering at the time, but she called me and she had faith in me and, um, you know, got me to the club and, um, you know, always believed in me and, and you know, gave me everything. So, um, Coach, you gave me my first jersey at the club and I just want you to have a Yeah, lovely gesture there from the Dragons to Paul McGregor in his final game. Jamie, let's get to the touchscreen. Joey Manu, voted as the best centre in the game by the players earlier in the year, but defensively, he's been highlighted a few times this year. A couple of struggling moments. Michael Jennings earlier in the year, Justin Olam on the weekend. Yeah, I think Trent Robinson will be looking for more out of Joey Manu, especially he's such a threat with the ball attacking-wise, but defensively, with no Cole Flanagan and that edge being so, yeah, I guess, hurt by their injuries, he needs to stand up and be able to lead from the front. And on the weekend, we didn't see that. You can see here, He's highlighted over in that centre position there. Now, him being the senior player over there, he needs to be able to make decisions on when to come in and when to stay out. And you just watch his indecision here, just to go back on his heels, and then all of a sudden goes forward. It leaves Matty Cavallo out on an edge. Now, fantastic play by Josh Adokar and Ryan Pappenhausen, but it's that indecision on an edge from Joey Manu that's creating 
I guess, uncertainty on an edge for, for Matt Ikevalu, but also the half this week. They'll go back to Kyle Flanagan, you would think. I just think that he could be better than that, and it's the second time it's happened this year. So one of my favourite players, Matt Cooper, known as one of the best defensive centres of the modern era, your former teammate. What can uh, Joseph Manu learn from what you've found during your time with Matt Cooper? Well, I think Coop's learnt to trust you know, the players in and around him as well, and this second clip's going to highlight that. You have a look, a little late offload here from the Melbourne Storm, but just watch where Joey Manu's eyes are. He comes into screen there, and he's, all his focus is in here, and he realises that... He's lost those players to the outside and where they need to be. Now, it's a one-on-one miss and Olam's just too good. But Trent Robinson's standards, you know, for the back-to-back champions to, to at least have any chance of being a three-peat, they need to be better from Joe Money and he'd be expecting more. Well, you have it, Katie. A few chinks in the armour of the best centre in the game. Yeah, thanks, gents. Always great insight. Time now for this week's Casualty Ward brought to you by Go Healthy Vitamins. Well, more injury woes for the Sea Eagles. Brendan Elliott out for the rest of the season after he suffered an ACL tear. And a graphic warning for this one. Back rower Joel Thompson needed stitches to his tongue after copying this nasty split. Now, depending on the swelling, Thompson could miss a week. He did say he lost a stitch from talking. The club doctor says mouth injuries heal quick, so Manly could have him back in time for Saturday's clash with South. Brisbane have lost yet another Bronco. Jake Turpin will sit out for up to six weeks with a hand fracture. The club yet to determine whether he'll need surgery. The Melbourne Storm have been rocked by the news. Dal Finucane is set to miss up to six weeks with a torn calf suffered in training. This comes on the back of a fractured door to Suliasi Vunivalu, who also could be out for up to six weeks. The Roosters' troops have taken another hit. Luke Keary thankfully cleared of any internal organ injuries, but will be sidelined with a broken rib. The club confirmed Lachlan Lamb requires surgery on a synosmosis injury, while Mitch Orbison sustained a significant ligament tear in his wrist with no timeline on a return for the Tricolours veteran. There's a number of other injuries out of round 14. Jerome Hughes, a 50-50 chance to play Parramatta, managing a groin injury. A double blow for the Titans with Dale Copley's season over and an AC shoulder joint for Jai Arrow. A shining light for the Cowboys, Valentine Holmes is back training with the main group, although it isn't likely that he will play this week. Now, it's another week of a lot of injuries for different clubs. We did hear uh, Craig uh, Bellamy and Trent Robinson front media this week and they had their say. We decided we want some t- fatigue in the game, but um, I'm not quite sure whether there's too much fatigue um, at the moment with uh, the amount of teams that have got a lot of injuries. And I mean, you know, a lot of injuries. And it's not just about fatigue and soft tissue injuries. Injuries. It's about when people get fatigued, you know, they start putting their bodies in the wrong places to make contacts or, um, you know, or to make tackles or, you know, absorb the contact. And then that's where you get... You know, injured from there, so I think it's something we probably need to have a little look at. Because as I said, you know, it was like a, a mash unit out there tonight. We knew the risk um, of it all, and, and we assumed the risk because we, you know, that's what we're here to do. Um, but you know, I was a part of it, so um, you know, not having buys and obviously the rule changes have increased the intensity sort of by about 10 or 15 percent in the game and. Yeah, that's, um, you know, there, there are consequences for that. Uh, a better game and more injuries at the moment. 
So two of the decorate, most decorated coaches in the game, Craig Bellamy calling it a mash unit, Trent Robinson admitting he was part of voting towards those changes in the game. So since um, COVID-19 and, and that break, we've seen a lot of injuries. Gents, how do we ensure if these rules stay in place that we can help these players feel safer come 2021? Well, I think they're probably both looking at the six again rule and how it's used and stuff like that because you want to try and get a bit more fatigue into the game to bring the littler fellas back in. But what we're seeing this year is, you know, teams are having to make, you know, 15, 16, 17 tackles without a break. And there's longer cycles this year. I think the way the game's changed is, you know, kicking, you don't kick into touch anymore. You kick to just hand over possession. And we're seeing longer cycles. So that's building fatigue as well. But... I don't think you can go too far the other way either. I'll actually like the game at the moment. I think that we'll be better adjusted for it next year. It's just one of those years that usually you have a buy or two buys and an origin period as well where you can sort of manage those guys in and get them some rest. But it's just a weird year at the moment. I think both those guys in the back of their mind understand that. But I think, Sarah, the other thing is we've got to remember everyone came back into this competition after the COVID break on the back of two or three weeks of training. There wasn't a proper pre-season. I know the pre-season is too long, but two weeks is not the proper season. Pre-season you need to get yourself right, especially with the rule changes and the increased workload. So I think next year, I think the game has uncovered something pretty good with the rule changes. Just need to tinker around the pre-season and the workloads a little bit and it may make uh, may have the desired effect. Yeah, fingers crossed because we are seeing a lot of injuries. That's this week's uh, Casualty Award brought to you by Go Healthy Vitamins. It's now time for Hit or Miss. Okay, Dean Young will be the new head coach for the Dragons. Hit or miss? You go first. You're the legend of the Dragons. It'd <laughs> <laughs> um, be interesting to see what happens for the next yeah, couple of weeks and whether they can get the job done. They've got three winnable games. Can they make the eight? I think if they make the eight, it puts him in the box seat. But yeah, there's a lot of work that goes in from being an assistant coach to being a head coach and then taking care of a roster and a, and a pre-season. So I think the Dragons will do their, their due diligence and make sure that they go through this process uh, to find the right person. So uh, I'm going to take a leaf out of old mate's book here and sit on the fence. But I, I just want to—I want to see what he has to offer. <laughs> I want to see whether the team responds because if they play like they did on the weekend, that's the most concerning thing for me on the weekend. They played like that. If they come out of COVID with that urgency and energy mm. in the games that they've had since, they're in, they're not only in the top eight; they're probably in the top six. And they're worrying teams because they've they've shown that they've got the attack and the ability, but they haven't shown that urgency, so they haven't been rewarded for that. So that's that's a frustrating thing. Make the eight. You still think they can make the eight? They're six points outside the eight with, what, six rounds remaining. The season's over. I, look, I, I think it's a miss for me. He won't be the coach. But I'll tell you what, he's got the opportunity to put his name up in lights in the next six weeks. They're, they're not going to make the eight. I, I think even if they win every game, they may struggle to make the eight. But his opportunity right now, because the Dragons don't know which way they're going to go. They genuinely don't know who's going to be the coach, what sort of coach they want next year. So if Dean Young comes in over the next six weeks and does a good job, he might say, hey, I'm the guy you need. So I don't think he will be, but the, the chance is there for him to, to make it his own. If both of you had to pick, who would you pick to take over the job today, if they were giving it to someone today? Oh, Craig Fitzgibbon, is the, if, he, if he wants it, you know, he's obviously pledged his loyalty to the Roosters, but if he says, you know, I want the job, then Craig Fitzgibbon, for mine, is the one that they should give it to. Jamie? What, you put your own hand up? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Please make sure we are recording this. <laughs> I want to bring this up next season. I'm not sure. I'm Sorry, sure. am I talking to Jamie or Michael? I'm not sure, I said. I, I, I don't know. I mean, yeah, do you get Wayne back? I think that I've said for a long time that 
they need to get this process, the whole club process right. It can't be just one area. You can't just change the coach and, you think, and think that things are going to change for the Dragons. This needs to be a whole club process. So It's the first time I've ever seen you short for words. I don't know if Wayne Bennett's the answer. I know we love Uncle Wayne on this show, but... I didn't say that. I said no, 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 I'm, I, know, I know you didn't say that. I just don't know if Wayne is where he was. This team is not as good as a team as the Dragons he inherited in 2010. And I don't think Wayne Bennett has got that left in him anymore to take a team that's low to mid-range back up there. You, I, don't, I don't think it solves the Dragons' problem. You hear a lot. Anthony Griffin, what, where is he amongst coaches when jobs come up? Where is he ranked in that <laughs> conversation? Because he's winning perception. Yeah, it, perception do they, do they want Shane Flanagan? Like, what are you hearing? If Perce it was out of those two, who would they want? Oh, well, I think if Shane Flanagan was free to coach next year, he'd be coaching, right? But the Dragons aren't going to entertain that because the NRL have made it clear he won't be getting the reduced ban. But I think perception is everything with Anthony Griffin. And the way things ended at his time with Penrith and, and the way things unfold with Gus, I, I don't think people believe Anthony Griffin is going to be a good coach going forward because of the way that he, he... the perception that he fell out with the players. Now... Only the players can answer that question whether they liked him or not. The talk was they didn't, but you name, can't get away from perception. Name a team that wasn't winning that didn't fall out with the coach. OK, well, I definitely, got you, I definitely <laughs> got you both sidetracked. We will move on to question two. Uh, we will not see another biosecurity breach this season. Michael? This season? This season. <laughs> Miss. Uh, we'll be lucky to get through the week without a biosecurity breach, unfortunately. Such is the nature at the moment. And you know something we don't know? No, no, I don't know. Well, not yet. You'd read about it at the Sydney Morning Herald if I did. But <laughs> I just don't think that with teams falling out of eight contention and they've gone through such a tough year, they're going to be breaches. They're okay. going to be breaches. Jamie? Uh, hit. I don't think we will. I think, <laughs> I think positive today. that the Tavita Pangai Jr. situation and how that unfolded and the $30,000 fine that's been placed on him, I think that's going to yeah, just remind players how much that these that everyone has worked to get the game on the field. And, and what the players need to remember is, yes, you, are, you guys are the product and we love watching you and covering you and you are our idols, but there's so many people that rely on this game to finish this year in what's been a tough year for everyone and there's a lot more people that are worse off. So I'm expecting the players it's to get the job done. It's not just players, Sally. Well, coaches. Well, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like Brett French on the weekend, you know what I mean? Like there, there are so many people in the bubble who can breach it who have... The, the ramifications going forward could be quite significant. So. And we saw that last week. Not everyone can afford those fines. I, I'm going to go on the side of the players and the coaches. I think they get the job done for the rest of the year. OK, fingers crossed for, I guess, the game's sake and, and everybody's sake. Adam Reynolds is the player you'd want kicking to save your life. Hit or miss? Hit. Pretty impressive. He's the best at the, at the NRL in the moment. I'd probably trust myself if I was kicking for my own life. I'd <laughs> uh, but yeah, he's he's clutch. He's uh, he came up with some big plays. I think that's his 22nd field goal that he's kicked in the NRL, which is a, a pretty big number by today's standards. And yeah, to come up and continue to deliver. So this is after he missed a kick to tie the game. He nailed a penalty conversion and then made that that drop kick there. Now, technique-wise, wasn't perfect. He had pressure on him as well, but that clutch gene just struck in. Michael. Can I get close here? And Sowie, back in the day, well, to be honest with you, back in the day, if it was a, a former player, obviously Sowie showed that he could do it. Sorry, I know. You're don't want, don't want to embarrass you. What about Thurston? Yeah. Well, is there a is this just now? Is it current? I mean, current or? But Thurston's, Thurston's not sitting next to me, so. I, <laughs> nah, current players, honestly, I'd say Nathan Cleary. I, I think Nathan Cleary is. Yeah, Adam Reynolds, look, he's done it over a long period of time, but right now, I think 
Nathan Cleary is the clutch player of the United. When you say kicking, Katie, I know we're hijacking this whole segment, but are you meaning drop goal? I'm meaning... Or goal kick? Field goal. Or general play? Oh. Field goals. Field goal? I would, yeah, I would take Reynolds. Over, of the I'm going time. Nathan. Reynolds. Over Thurston. All right. I think Reynolds will get the job done. Let's move on. <laughs> the Roosters have to get Sonny Bill Williams back before round 17. Miss. Okay. Yeah, you need to make sure. Sonny's come in for a hit-and-run mission at a, at a three-peat. They don't need to rush him back. Uh, it'll give a chance for Trent Robertson to get some more guys back, but there's no point putting him out there underdone and expecting Sonny to be the Sonny of you know, 2013. They, they'll need to work him into the systems and, and make sure he's ready to go. Yeah, miss for me as well. He hasn't played in, what, five months? He hasn't run in five months. He, he coming off a knee injury as well. And we saw in Toronto, he wasn't ready for that start in Toronto either. So you do no one any favours by throwing Sonny Bill in. I know they've got injuries at the moment, but the Roosters are the team that if they get in the finals, regardless of where they finish, they finish 6th, 7th, 8th, it does not matter because all those players would have had those weeks off. They'll come back and they can just win every game and win a comp. So it doesn't matter. They just need Sonny Bill right when they need him, and that's the last few weeks of the comp. You ask whether or not he can still run, and he hasn't run in five months. We've got him starring in Champ or Chump for another reason later on, so make sure you stay tuned. But lastly, the Broncos will not win another game this season. Um, miss. I think they will. They showed enough on the weekend in that first half. I mean, it was diabolical the second half, but, um, yeah, they're, they're very close to rock bottom. I think that they will go worse than what was on the weekend, but I, I can see a team maybe resting some stars and they get a, a game up at home, potentially this weekend against the Dragons. You know, that's always a good clash up there. Uh, Dragons v, v the Broncos, they could effectively end the Dragons season this year. They're out with Painhurst for a couple of weeks, so... Oh, it won't be this week then. I'll pull out my trusty NRL app and I don't know where they're going to win a game of football, Sally. Who Seriously. Have they got? I, I don't know. They've got... They've Round got this 18. weekend. They've got the Dragons, then they've got the Roosters, then they've got Penrith. Yeah, it's right here. It's right there. Oh, it's sorry. Right I'm just trying to plug the NRL app. They don't win. <laughs> they don't win a game. They're, 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 you could name any team. They don't win. They don't beat anybody in the competition. Sorry. The season's right. going to finish the way it is now. Okay. Yeah. Time now for your power rankings, please, Jamie. <laughs> This week's power rankings see the back-to-back -back champions. The Sydney Roosters go from three down to six. It's the lowest I've had them in the couple of years I've been doing this, but I just can't take into account anymore that they're, they're running out of petrol and they're running out of troops. Geez, you're harsh, Sally. The, the reigning champs, they lose to a very good Melbourne Storm team. They drop three spots, but they are your power rankings, so if you feel they deserve to drop that far, then so be it. I just had a look at Luke Keary. That injury to me is a huge one because they have to change the halves now. Hutchison and Flanagan will take control, but I just think they're waiting for those troops to come back. If they can get them all back in at once, it's going to help, but the next couple of weeks are soon going to tell how good they are. The Penrith Panthers continue to dominate the power rankings. This is a team that hasn't got any worries in the world. They went up the Central Coast and got the job done against a very good Warriors side. They could have gone on with the job, though, and even iced the game at the end. That was my only concern. Yeah, I think we've probably been a little bit unfair on the Warriors. They were very good, and back-to-back -back wins coming into that game, and I think they're starting to show some real signs of promise there, the Warriors, and Penrith had to do the hard yards to get the win, so I think they... I don't think Penrith were bad by all means. I think the Warriors lifted. 
I think the Penrith Panthers are on the start of a dynasty, Melbourne and wow. Roosters like. If they can still keep this Big trajectory call. upwards. The Canterbury Bankstown Bulldogs, about five weeks ago, I ranked the bottom five teams. They were so far off the pace, just off effort. And this was a team that certainly wasn't the worst in the competition. Since then, they've had a win. They've had a couple of good performances. But I watched that yesterday. That's the difference from, from starting to be a good team to where you are right now. They should have won that game. They should have, and I'll tell you what, this period is crucial, not for anything to do with this year or, or for Trent Barrett, it's in regards to recruitment. Because if you're a player off contract who wants to look to go to the Bulldogs next year, you want to see something this next five weeks. You don't want to see them losing games like they did yesterday. Make sure you keep an eye out every Monday on NRL.com for the Power Rankings. Thank you, Jamie. As always, all right, it's time for Champ or Chump. And our colleague, Zach Bailey, has taken a real obsession to this segment. He just loads us up with about four or five now. So, we're first up, Jordan Rapana and his dance moves after their win were very <laughs> questionable, gents. Yeah, I think it was his birthday. Um, <laughs> look at those. <laughs> look at those what? Uh, hip thrusts. Uh, he grabbed the towel a second time around. He's very lucky not to champ. You win. I'll tell you what, he's been a valuable pickup for those, for the Canberra Raiders this year. Well, it's been a nice one for him to return. Given that I showed you a video of my involvement in dance moves over the weekend, I'm not going to chump this bloke, so I'm going to champ him. It's uh, <laughs> pretty, uh, yeah, I, I like a bit of character in our players. It's good to see. Yeah, it is good to see. Staying with the Raiders, and this is the, the perfect example of taking your opportunity when it is presented to you. The ball boy, Ada Mariotta, talk about an 18th man in on our tri-celebrations. <laughs> <laughs> that was, I'll tell you what, Having been a, a ball boy growing up, that's the stuff that you dream of. Like, you know, when I used to do it for Dad, I used to get a clip over the year because I wasn't watching. But, yeah, you know, now that's... I think it's fantastic. It I, know, I, know it's, I know it's great uh, being a ball boy and we have kids do it, but it's been pretty cool seeing the players do it. Jaden Sullivan's done it a couple of times for the Dragons. Awesome. I, awesome. I think it's cool. Yeah, and he's only 18 and, and he hasn't done anything wrong. He is in the Canberra Raiders bubble. But, I mean, he, he is like an 18th man out there. He was so stoked for them. It's like the NBA. Look, Paddy Mills with the towel going nuts. You love to uh, see the players on the bench going crazy. Yeah. So, the <laughs> champ. All right, next one is, of course, Wayne Bennett. He's in the COVID hold for two weeks. And he is making the most of his sponsors with menu log. <laughs> How do you like that? Honestly, Wayne would have had no idea how to order that menu log. Someone from South Sydney would have ordered it for him and then rung Wayne and said, go to your door, there's food there now. And he would have said, OK. OK, fine. And then said, what's menu log? <laughs> I'm very impressed by the photo, though. That's, not, that's the new well, profile, and if what you a, ask me. Yeah, what a coincidence that he's dressed in full bunnies gear. <laughs> he wears it every day, uniform. Champ. Champ for me. He'll never be a chump. Yeah, you can. Ever. You can't. You cannot chump. Uncle Wayne staying with the South Sydney Rabbitohs and Cody Walker and Nelly Bell's uh, son Cade. Now he's been working on his try celebrations. If there's any NRL players who are looking for some try inspo, call up Cade. I'm pretty sure he could uh, lend you a move or two. What do you reckon? He looks like Cade, doesn't he? Yeah. What a fantastic video. I love. <laughs> I love kid videos. Yeah. Being a dad now, and, and Cody Walker. I, Bit of pressure, I mean, sidetrack, but, you know, if they can deliver that spine and get it right, they're going to be the, one of the hottest spines in the comp. Yeah, maybe uh, Kay's going to teach Cody how, how to do a few of those tri-celebrations. <laughs> Have you been teaching Indiana? Um, Come she, on. She loves footy. She puts on the headgear. I don't know if, if she, she thinks it's a hat. 
I heard, <laughs> he just says, I heard the toilet train is going well, mate. Yeah, no, it's going great. <laughs> that is concerning. It is a family-friendly show. As we've been reminded, we will not be bringing that up. <laughs> okay. And finally, Christian Nicolucci, um, your actual colleague from the Sydney Morning Herald, got a major sledge from Sonny Bill Williams. Take a listen. Can you still put a shot on? Oh, you want to run out of me, Cass? <laughs> Thank you. Would you? Nico would back himself too, actually. He'd back himself to run over Sonny Bill. Do you know what? With that gut, he might be able to do it. Oh! <laughs> Love you, Nico. Are you champion or champion? I am so excited to see Sonny Bill's return. Yeah. It's going to be a, a massive boost for the NRA. Sonny Bill's a champ. Seriously. Just quickly, Sonny Bill, I just need to say, like the first time he came into the game, he was sort of... A man on a mission. He didn't do a lot of publicity. He just sort of stuck to himself. And he, but this time around, he's come back and he's done every media request that's been asked of him. He's rocked up day one. He's done media already. Good, you know, well done to Sonny Bill Williams and the Roosters for doing what they've done. Rocked up in style too. Was it? Oh, a didn't he? Didn't he? Uncle Nick. That would be nice. <laughs> <laughs> All right, a reminder, NRL teams is back tomorrow at 3.55. Zach Bailey will have all the team news with Brett Kamali and Robbie Farah. Plenty of exchanges uh, and changes expected to be made with the injury toll that continues to rise. Also, before we go, NRL Shop is taking part in the online Click Frenzy Sports shopping event. So for all the NRL fans, Thursday night, 7pm, you are going to be uh, available to catch the merchandise with some huge bargains and huge discounts until Sunday at midnight. All right, so until next Monday, have a good one. Voyevich playing. Back to Cherry Evans. It puts it up. It's a floating kick, an awful one to try and catch, and Heimel Hunt wants nothing to do with that. Brad Parker keeps it in field. Play on for Cast, who kicks it towards the in-goal area and wins a race. Kay Cast, a touch of brilliance to get to the ball, put it on the toe, and then win the race to plant it down. Hunt fires one off. It's gone to McKinnis. It's gone away to Norman. A long ball for Revelawa charging and getting it there. Revelawa has scored, in my belief, his second try. Here is Drinkwater putting it across. Kick for the hammer. Up against Paulo. Turns him inside out. Puts the foot down. It is hammer time. What a kick by Scott Drinkwater for Hamaso Tabuai Fado. Long for Fita, good ball. Stags away, look at Stags run. Brilliant kick, Dearden, Arthur's great, great Brisbane try for Fita offload. Katoni Stags run and kick. And the chase through from Jesse Arthurs, that is a 10 out of 10 play.